0: Welcome to Digital Conversations, a podcast about using digital channels to engage your prospects and customers and make more money.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to Digital Conversations. I am your host, Billy Bateman. Um, Today, I'm joined by Chris Daly, owner of Smart CRO. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Really excited to have me on, Chris. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know conversion rate optimization really today. That's you're the expert. Um, so before we get into that, for anyone listening, if you like what you hear, remember to uh, rate and review the podcast and subscribe so you can get these every week. Um, and with that, I'm gonna just have you introduce yourself, Chris. For those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself and about Smart Cro.
0: Yes, I'm a long-time digital marketer, uh, about 11 years in in digital marketing. About nine years ago, I started to focus on conversion rate optimization, um, which is really focused on getting people to convert on the website. Obviously, conversion spans the full length of the marketing funnel, uh, but I'm focused primarily on doing A-B testing on websites. So my company, Smart CRO, we we help companies run split tests on their websites. So we do all the design, development, um, and if you have a good uh, A-B testing program, you should regularly be seeing 10 to 20% lifts in your conversion rates. Uh, that's typically what we're seeing with our customers. And so a lot of companies will bring us in um, if they're not seeing results on their A-B testing um, efforts.
1: Great. So when you get started working, what t- first, what kind of companies do you guys typically work with?
0: We're focused mostly on e-commerce. Um, we work with lead generation companies from time to time. Uh, But e-commerce is just so easy. I mean, if you increase conversion rates, you increase revenue. And so, uh, you know, on on the lead gen side of things, you can still have a massive impact. um, But you have to have your sales funnel pretty dialed in. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, I'll come in and say, hey, we increased conversion rates by 20%. And they'll say, yeah, but the leads suck. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) well, okay, yeah, that's one consequence of increasing conversion rates. But Um, So, yeah, we primarily focus on e-commerce type businesses.
1: Awesome. And, you know, even though most of our audience and our customers are B2B, I really think one of the things I believe in is a mentor of mine, Ken Krogh, who was a co-founder at at Inside Sales. Uh, When I worked on the marketing team there, he would bring us in and show us what B2C websites were doing. And, And he'd be telling us, hey, these guys are always a few years ahead of us. Um, so we needed to look at what they're doing and see how we can translate that um, to the B2B world for our website and for inside sales. And so I've always been a big believer in look at what's going on in e-com or whatever it is um, in a B2C world online and uh, and see what you can model because they're usually ahead of us. Um, oh, yeah. So. When you guys start working with a company, what's your process? Like if you're gonna come in and you're gonna start running a split test, where do you look first um, for things to start working on?
0: Yeah, so I've got a three-step process though I'll talk through quickly. Uh, the great thing is the principles that we'll chat about are equally applicable to Ecom and, B2, uh, and B2B or, or gen. Um, but so, because the process of conversion rate optimization is about figuring out what does our audience want to see on our website. So usually in step one of my testing process, uh, I call it the existence phase. Basically what you want to do in the existence phase of testing is you want to figure out, do we have the right stuff on the website to begin with? Um, nothing sucks worse than you start doing testing with a bunch of assumptions in your mind, uh, thinking yeah. that everything on your website is working well already. Uh, when in reality, Um, most of the stuff that's on there either shouldn't be there or isn't very dialed in. So in step one of the process, what I do is I typically will go through and test removing things from the site. Um, this usually makes SEO people nervous because we might test removing content and they'll go, Oh, what's going to happen to our SEO results if we remove content? And, and I always respond to that with, don't worry. I'm not saying that we're going to remove this content. What we're trying to figure out in step one of the process is what are the things that matter to our audience? Because there's one of three results that you can get from from a split test. You either have a winner, which is great. You have a loser, which is also great, or you have no impact. No impact means the thing that you tested doesn't matter at all to your audience. And so these are the things that we wanna figure out early on in the testing process. What does and does not matter to our audience? So if we remove a paragraph of content from the page, do conversion rates go up, down, or nothing happens? If conversion rates go up, then that means that that content shouldn't be there in the first place, right? So yep. we should probably just get rid of it. And usually, if removing content improves conversion rates, it will also improve your organic rankings. So, uh, so that's great. If, if removing content decreases conversion rates, then we know that content should be there. And then guess what? Our next test is going to be refining that content. All right, we know this content is useful. Now in step two, let's make it better. Let's see what happens if we take our paragraph and turn it into a bullet point list. Let's see what happens if we take that paragraph and turn it into three paragraphs. Let's see what happens if instead of focusing on the benefits of our service, we focus on um, the pain points that you're experiencing as a customer, right? So step one is about figuring out, do we have the right stuff? Step two is about refining the stuff that we have And then in step three, we're gonna test adding new stuff to the site. This is where we might test new features, um, new designs, that kind of stuff. Uh, And so again, I don't come in with any presupposed ideas. I don't come in and tell my clients, oh, we've gotta get that video off the page, or hey, we need that video on the page. We're coming in and we're trying to learn what the audience wants.
1: Awesome. So when you guys are running those tests, What are your best practices for which tools to implement to to even just run tests? Because I know everyone always is like, oh, we need to be testing things. But I think a lot of organizations, especially small or new organizations, they're not even sure like, hey, what's the easy way to get started?
0: Yeah. So there's two tools that are really simple to get started with. Uh, If you're doing landing pages, Unbalance is an excellent tool. I mean, pretty much any landing page tool out there has A-B testing functionality built in. Um, unbounce is probably the easiest and the lowest barrier way to get started. You don't really need a designer or developer to even get the page up. Uh, and then it's really simple to split test for website testing. I always start my clients with Google optimize. Google optimize is free. You can run up to five A V tests in there and you've got the benefit of data on your side. So if you're already using Google analytics on your website, Google Optimize plugs right into your Analytics data, and so you know that the data you're getting back from your tests is uh, is accurate. Um, and so, if you start with Google Optimize, you can literally have it up and going within less than a half an hour. Um, you can go and create your free account. You're going to link it to your Analytics account, and then it will give you a little snippet of JavaScript to put on your website. At, which, like I said, I mean, if you if you've Installed Google Analytics, it should take you five minutes to install the JavaScript snippet. Um, So it's really simple, really easy. Like I said, both of those tools, you can have an A-B test up and running in under an hour.
1: Awesome. I love it. So what do you, I mean, you've got your process that you come in. What are usually the things you start testing? You know, like let's let's stick to e-com. You know, what do you see as the best practices at the the place where you're going to make the biggest impact?
0: I'll tell you the two places that I typically see the biggest impact. One is testing value propositions. So again, this is equally applicable to e-comm and and B2B. Uh, But if you think about uh, a a given page layout, most most websites and most web pages have more content than you can put above the fold. And so you've got all this content on your page. And I always will start by asking companies, how did you decide what content to put at the top of your page? And they'll usually have some really great justification for why all the stuff is there. Oh, well, we put um, our customer reviews because everyone tells us that reviews are important. Oh, we put, um, you know, our shipping policy up on the top. Or for B2B, it might be like, oh, we put our demo request button on the top. Why did we do that? Because that's our most important offering. The bottom line is none of those answers have anything to do with data. (laughs) It all has to do with why you think that information should be at the top. Right? People tell us that review that they like our reviews. That's not data. That's just some anecdotal information that you have. Um, And so one of the first things that I start with, with my clients is let's test three or four different versions of this page and let's have each version focus on a single value proposition. So uh, what I will usually do is I'll say, what are all of your value propositions? What are the reasons that people work with you? Oh, we're cheaper. We've got the best expertise. you know, we've got free returns or, you know, for B2B, it might be like, uh, you know, we've got, we we get results in under a week. We, uh, you know, see 20% gains in revenue. Um, We save you 10% of your time. We can help you fire that person that you've always wanted to fire or see how productive your employees (laughs) are, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can like get a list of 10 value propositions pretty quick. And so then what I'll do is I'll go, okay, this is great. This is an excellent list to work with. Now let's, you know, the current website says we're the most amazing team ever get a free quote today. Let's have one variation that focuses on save 10%. So up at the top of the page, we focus on that value proposition, save 10% on your budgets with your agency or whatever. Um, Second variation is five out of five star reviews with over a hundred reviews. And here's one of our customer reviews. Boom. We pop a customer review up there. And then our fourth variation is, um, you know, we get back to you within an hour on all requests, you know, so it's all about customer service. Um, you know, maybe you have a, a fourth or fifth variation in there. That's like all of your credentials. So it's like, you know, rated number one business by uh CNET or whatever it is, you know, like whatever your credentials are, then you're going to split test all of those. Cause what this is immediately going to do th- this t- t- type of test almost always generates uh, a result because, the first value proposition you have on the page is your hook. Yeah. And if you are focused on the wrong hook, for example, if your first value proposition if your headline says um, making you a better business today, or in other words, we don't have any you know we don't have any specific value proposition for you. Yeah. Um, that's what is going to either drive people and compel people to read more or to leave your page immediately. And so when you start testing these value propositions, you're going to find out really quickly, what's my strongest value proposition. And then my next test is going to be once we figure out which headline or which you know initial value prop works the best, then the second test is always going to be – your winning headline was. So, so if you're, if you're, winning, if you're winning is a review or a long review or a specific review or a general review, whatever, right? But okay. that's going to be the first place that I start. Same thing with content. Again, we might test removing content, but our second test is going to be what order should the content be in? What paragraph should be first and second and third and fifth? And then once I figure out what our strongest paragraph of content is, I'm going to go in and test the formatting of that paragraph. Again, should it be one sentence or three sentences or five sentences or 10? Um, You know, let's let's just refine it and figure out what the ideal length of content is in there. But those two things between value propositions and content, I typically see 20 to 30% gains in conversion rates just testing those two things.
1: Awesome. You know, it, it makes sense, you know, that value proposition, you've got a couple seconds to make it for us to say, okay, like, this is a fit, and what's what I want, or it's not. Um, yeah. So it makes sense you could do the value prop, then the content. So let me ask you this, then, from the e-com to B2B, what do you see that translates between the two worlds? Yeah. So
0: one of the things that t- that tends to work really well on e-commerce is testing mobile-specific features. And so when I say mobile-specific features, I mean stuff that your desktop audience—that's not relevant at all to desktop. So so one yeah. thing that has worked really well uh, on e-commerce is testing things like um, scrolling call-to-action buttons because you have such limited screen space. Um, you. People typically are going to have to scroll a lot on your pages versus on desktop. You might be able to, you know, just totally overload them with a ton of content and a single screen on mobile. All that stuff's going to get crammed down. And so you're going to have super long pages. And So things like scrolling call to action buttons, things that you, if you think about the accessibility of a mobile user, what, what can they, what, what's harder for them on mobile? It's harder for them yeah. to consume more content. Right. Um, and so that works equally well on e-com and on, uh, on lead gen. We're also going to look for when we're thinking about mobile specific, um, what is, you know, if you are in B2B, you're probably going to be driving or or at least open for phone calls. It's way easier for people to call when they're on their mobile device. People hate picking up their mobile device when they're on a desktop computer. because I have to type in the stupid phone number and it takes forever, right? But on mobile, having like a click to call button. So a mobile specific call to action that's click to call. And again, where is that located? Let's, maybe let's have it scroll up and down the page. Let's have it at the top of the screen or the bottom of the screen or, you know, the bottom of every page, whatever it is. Um, those types of things, again, on, on e-com, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be testing the add to cart button. On lead gen, we're just te- we're just testing the call us button or the get a free quote button to get your form to pop up, right? So So the principles are the same. The call to action is just different. Um, the other thing that is that translates really well on, um, you know, from e to lead gen or things that are very similar between e-commerce and lead gen is things like testing page length. So um, a lot of times on e-commerce, I will test um, for clients that like started on Kickstarter, for example. They started selling their product on Kickstarter. Yeah. What is a Kickstarter page? It's a landing page. It's a lead gen page, basically. But yep. instead of getting a lead, you're getting a donation or a – I don't even remember what they're called a yeah. Kickstarter. you know, getting someone yeah. to, to, uh, to put money up for your product. And so those pages are very, very similar to a B2B lead gen page. It's a long-form page with lots of different features. And so one thing that works really well in here is testing page length and testing where we should place our call to action. Right. So should it be up at the top? Should we have a call to action after every paragraph? Should we have a call to action only at the bottom? Uh, those are things that, again, I'm testing all the time on both e-commerce and lead gen in it, and they almost always generate some kind of impact.
1: Cool. So let me ask you on the call to actions. Um, this is a debate we've—I mean, we've had at our at our company a few times. How many call to actions? You know, like I know it's going to be different for every customers, but what are the trends that you see? Should you just have one call to action on a page, multiple places? What do you think?
0: It depends, but um, what I've seen work well, typically the fewer call to actions you have, the more powerful those call to actions are. Uh, What happens is as you start adding more and more call to actions, it dilutes each one. Now that may be helpful if you have multiple different uh, service offerings, but I'll tell you something on the e-commerce side of things. um, Usually what, if I look at like a page of an e-commerce site, E-commerce companies love to just like dump all of their products on their homepage. And what I have found usually is the fewer products you have, the more product you sell, the more revenue you generate, because the more products you have, the more you try to like exploit your customers to all these different offerings um, the more confusing they, they, it is for them, wow. the more overwhelmed they feel and it takes more mental energy to try to decide which one. So usually the fewer choices you give people, the less brain power it takes and the more action and engagement you're going to get on each one. So, I mean, again, there's not a, there's not a specific number that is the ideal number, but it's probably fewer called actions than you have now is my answer.
1: <laughs> awesome. I, I think it makes sense. Like, if you want people to do something, pick the one or two things you want them to do and just stick to that rather than making them make the choice between five, 10 different things. So oh,
0: actually we, we tested on, on one email, um, uh, a split test with three called actions on an email versus one. And the version with one had 300% more clicks than the one with three called actions. Um, yeah. Both of them were just a single screen email but just having that single call to action was simpler, easy to understand. Uh, and like I said, 300% more clicks. So uh, again, I mean, I'm not saying you should always only have one, um, but it's it's usually this multiplier effect. The fewer call to actions you have, you get significantly more engagement.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, before I let you go, um, I want to just hit you with one more question that's, you know, if I should I have asked you something else before, uh, before we let you leave?
0: The, I guess in terms of a parting word, one of the biggest challenges that businesses have with doing split testing is letting go of their own assumptions. So I can't yeah. tell you how many times I'll go in and work with a business and I'll suggest that they remove something or change something and they'll go, oh, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And I'll say, why? And they'll go, well, we already know that our customers like that. So one of the most critical one of the most critical mindset um, mindsets that you need to have when you're split testing is you need to be willing to challenge everything. You need to be willing to test everything on your website, including your babies, including the things that you think are, are, are guaranteed to work well. Nice. Um, so be willing to challenge your assumptions, be willing to test the stuff that you really don't want to test. Uh, that'll help you be a lot more successful with split testing.
1: Awesome, Chris. I love it. Um, before I let you go, if people want to reach out and uh, continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to contact you?
0: Sure. I, I mean, you can email me chris at smart-cro.com uh, or people can reach out through LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, and, you know, I'd be happy to answer any questions people have.
1: Okay. Thanks, Chris. And, uh, just a reminder, we have the RevTech Summit coming up, um, where we're going to be talking about all the different technologies people are using to drive pipeline and to close more deals. Um, you can register on RevTech.com. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And for past episodes, go to chatfunnels.com podcast.